to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and an inside perspective of thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus. Today, we're uncovering a new measure of resilience, the unique approach by FEMA to assess the community's ability to recover after a disaster, and building blocks. AAIS CEO Ed Kelly details new features that make its blockchain network more accessible than ever. Plus, a new forecast as we prepare for the most active month of hurricane season. How an uptick in expected storms reinforces the need for stronger mitigation efforts. The southern half of the United States is far less resilient than the northern half, so says a new study by the Federal Emergency Management Agency. The Community Resilience Indicator Analysis takes a unique approach to examining resiliency by measuring the financial stability of individuals and their connection to their community. There's no mention of typical resilience measures such as the quality of infrastructure or physical protection from natural hazards. Nor does the study consider risk factors such as exposure to flooding and hurricanes. The analysis shows states with the lowest resilience are generally the states which have been hit by the largest number of federal disasters since 1953. The study, which can be found on FEMA's website, is part of a growing body of research on resilience that seeks to determine the factors that influence how well a community recovers from any disruption. In an uptick from its preseason forecast, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration now expects the Atlantic hurricane season to be above normal. That includes 10 to 17 named storms, including five to nine hurricanes. Just last year, the U.S. was hit by the world's three costliest disasters that totaled more than $46 billion in economic losses. This followed 2017, during which the nation saw the most damage caused by natural disasters in one year in U.S. history. Given the increase in frequency and severity of extreme weather events, NAMIC has been working for years on Capitol Hill to create new incentives and tools for states and homeowners to mitigate against the risk of extreme weather. The recently signed Disaster Recovery Reform Act lays out a plan to center the federal government's focus on proactively preparing communities before the next catastrophe while freeing up new resources for states and localities to implement and enforce resilient building codes. On the technology front, as insurers are taking greater interest in the topic of blockchain, the American Association of Insurance Services has developed an innovative use for blockchain to improve the efficiency of cumbersome insurance data calls. Its open IDL program brings together regulators and carriers to address the statutory reporting requirements on a secure platform. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness talks with AAIS CEO Ed Kelly about some new features that set OpenIDL apart from other blockchain programs in the market. All right, well, today on Unscripted, we are joined by the president and CEO of the American Association of Insurance Services, or AAIS, Ed Kelly. Ed uh, is a great friend to our industry, great friend to NAMIC. AIS is a great partner to so many of our member companies. There's even a lot of shared leadership between AAIS, its membership, and NAMIC and its membership. So uh, last week it happens, um, a senior team from NAMIC was up uh, meeting with AIS, heard a lot about the um, 
incredible uh, work that's going on there, and uh, I thought it'd be helpful to have Ed come and, and speak firsthand about what's happening at AIS. So AIS, Ed Kelly, CEO, welcome. Well, it's great to be here, Chuck. Thank you very much. Appreciate your support. Yeah, so let's talk a little just generally. I think most of our members are familiar with uh, the organization. Many are your members as well. But there might be some that aren't as familiar. So why don't you give us just a little bit of an overview of uh, you know the mission and, and membership and, and what AIS does. Great, sure. Well, we've been around a long time, uh, uh, around 80 years, not quite as long as uh, you your organization has been around. I think you're getting ready to celebrate 125 years. Which That's is right. <laughs> but uh, we are, we're both a, a stat reporting agent and an advisory organization. And, and as a stat reporter, we're one of four uh, stat reporters, uh, national stat reporters for the uh, PNC industry. And as an advisory organization, we're uh, only one of two uh, national uh, advisory organization, and we're the only one that's member-based. Uh, we're a non-for-profit member-based organization, and that makes us unique uh, in the advisory or, uh, service uh, space. So basically, uh, what do we do? We, we collect data from our members, and we use that data uh, to create programs, uh, programs for personal lines and commercial lines, we have over 30 programs, so uh, people are familiar with us with our homeowners or dwelling property, uh, auto program, new auto program, uh, BOP, uh, commercial liability, commercial properties are some of those 30 programs. Uh, most folks um, in the industry are well aware of us for our industry leading programs, which, are, which have been uh, inland marine and farm owners. Uh, and these programs have traditionally included um, uh, policy forms, uh, rates, and rules uh, around how those programs work. Um, but today they also include some increasing uh, valuable tools and services that uh, allow our members that adopt our programs to hopefully streamline their, their ingestion into their, in their, their systems and also help them when we enhance our programs or when we update our programs. But uh, today we have, in terms of our membership, our, our members are PNC carriers. We have over 750 uh, companies. Uh, we are growing. Uh, actually, I just looked uh, at last month's uh, 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 new product uh, growth, and we, have, uh, we had nine new companies join AEIS and they adopted uh, 27 of our programs, which is pretty typical. Um, they'll, they'll average around three adoptions as they join. Um, but uh, like our industry is very diversified, um, our membership is also uh, diversified. But as most of the industry are mutual companies, uh, most of our members yeah. are, are, are mutual companies. And, uh, but they're, again, they're a very diversified group as your membership is. We, we deal with the largest uh, companies. We deal with uh, 17 of the top 25 are our member companies. Uh, names you'll be familiar with is Liberty Mutual, American Family, Nationwide in that category. 
but also we we deal with the, the smallest uh, companies yep. out there too, um, and some of the oldest. You know, when we started 80 years ago, I think uh, uh, these companies were were our members then or soon afterwards. The Jewelers Mutual, Pharmacist Mutual, Brotherhood. So those are some of the oldest, uh, and also some of the newest. I think one of your newest uh, mutual companies was Copperpoint, and they joined us uh, also soon after yeah. um, they became. And uh, and also geography. Um, you know, we, we deal with uh, single state and regionals, and we deal uh, also with uh, uh, diversity on, on lines of business, monolines and, and, and multi-lines. So, but mutual companies are important members of AIS. And it's just not the numbers, as you know. Numbers are great. We love uh, adding new numbers, but uh, it's critical that they're engaged. And I can tell you, our mutual companies are highly engaged, and that drives uh, that will drive any success we have in achieving our mission. Right. Well, I know several of the regional companies are, uh, you know, in your leadership on your board. I think the membership uh, element really can't be uh, overstated. Uh, we know there is a big difference, and of course, NAMIC is a representative of the uh, you know, membership organization, but particularly in your space, providing products to the industry, doing it on a cooperative basis, uh, focused entirely on your members, uh, I just think is, um, is an important distinction. Let's talk a little about stat reporting. I know that is an area that uh, you mentioned you work in. Um, tell me what's happening there, uh, as I know much of our discussion last week involved uh, some some new technology being used around stat reporting. Yeah, that's one of our biggest initiatives this year. Obviously, as I mentioned, we're one of four national stat reporters. That process hasn't changed in, in decades, um, and uh, our initiative, uh, OpenIDL, is, a, is, a, is our blockchain platform that we've launched that uh, is intended to streamline uh, that antiquated uh, uh, process and uh, not only streamline it to make it more efficient, but to provide greater value to the stakeholders in that process, both regulators who needed to uh, monitor uh, the market, and also for carriers who have just seen it be a one-way street. They provide data, they get very little back uh, in value, even though it costs a significant amount of their energy, and, uh, and also the payment uh, to outside firms like us to, to do that process. So we launched OpenIDL uh, last year. We, we did that, uh, and uh, we we, we engaged the stakeholders, both regulators and carriers, uh, through design thinking sessions, which we've held quarterly now for over a year, where we brought in uh, state regulators, typically at any one time, four to five, and uh, similar amounts of uh, carriers, and, uh, and we spent the day together uh, trying to streamline that process. So um, we've, uh, we've, got, we've had some um, significant uh, milestones hit, and uh, you're going to be seeing more and more of uh, 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 communication around what we're doing there. It's, it's, it's not only going to be significant to, to uh, staff reporting, but I think when, and the folks who have joined OpenIDL, which is uh, rolling out now, they see the long-term uh, leveraging of that platform 
to address a lot of the other use cases that have been identified, um, which will drive operational efficiencies uh, to our organ to our industry, and also add a, a tremendous amount of value as we as as we uh, drive uh, improvements in in underwriting and claims handling and and other things uh, that are going to be driven more around uh, the exchange of, of data. Well, you know. Let's, um, you mentioned this earlier, but let's uh, emphasize it a bit. The, the uh, stat reporting is being done today on a blockchain. Uh, for AIS, yes, we've loaded our stat reporting data uh, for our members uh, into our, our working uh, uh, blockchain platform. And uh, we, are, we, we, we are ready to uh, you know, use that to communicate uh, uh, the, to meet the stat record, uh, reporting requirements today uh, for those states that will accept that, and that's a that's a growing number. And as the number of members uh, increase in OpenIDL, uh, and as more and more states uh, accept that, that that should grow. And I think that's going to grow fairly quickly. Uh, the the response we've received. Um, from the from the departments and also from the NAIC has been very strong in terms of what they're looking for. Um, and as you know, I mean, we can see it in the inefficiencies, the number of data calls uh, that uh, state regulators are required because it's not part of the uh, standardized stat reporting have only grown, and that is very cumbersome for both regulators and carriers. So. Um, the OpenIDL uh, platform is going to streamline that uh, process and, uh, as I said, not only make it uh, more efficient, but add tremendous amount of value uh, back to carriers because they not only see the data that they submitted to regulators, but they also be able to see the pool of, of data that's been submitted and uh, be able to kind of benchmark themselves on, on, in areas that they find uh, of, of interest. Let me just uh, touch on two points that uh, I want to emphasize. A, in terms of saving time and money uh, for carriers, you know, the beauty of the uh, blockchain where a data call is uh, in question is the company, all the parties have to do is basically agree to make the data available. It's like turn it on. So there is no uh, back to whatever system is running the data that's been asked for and the type of company uh, process that's required today. So let me get you to uh, comment on that. Uh, let's start with that. So is, is that correct? Correct. I mean, we've, what we've done, I think it's the first time it's been done in the industry, we've recently um, collected all the data elements uh, for data calls. And so we have that in one place now, and that, that, that creates the inventory. And we'll add to it as more data calls uh, come in. But the, you know, the, one of the most important things for carriers, and it's growing, is you know, uh, you know, the, uh, the protection of, of their data and the security of the data. Um, so uh, in, with OpenIDL, it's uh, the data that they, obviously they send to uh, carriers today, uh, they have under their uh, in their systems, and they want to make sure that when it's when it leaves, uh, it's the data that they've agreed to share, and they want to make sure that it's used for the intended purpose and not other purposes. So the, the platform we have 
has that built-in security, and it's, it's greater than the security we have today, but it also, as you mentioned, the efficiency is that the, the data is already arranged in a manner that uh, the carriers can uh, choose to uh, uh, pre-authorize to share that when the data call uh, is, commences, or they can, uh, they can choose to authorize it at the time it commences, or for whatever reason, perhaps the data isn't good or they don't have the data, they can make sure the, the, the regulators understand that that data, they may ask for a data call, but they do not have it to share. And so that may uh, allow the, uh, the parties to, to be much more efficient instead of the back and forth that occurs now. And, uh, and then the various uh, you know, carriers may be submitting uh, different data that uh, the regulators find very difficult at the, at the back end to try to uh, accumulate and make some sense out of. So it's, um, the carriers can maintain control of their data it's much more efficient when it comes to processes like data calls. And I understand it's uh, anticipated to be very cost effective uh, for the companies that now pay for uh, stat reporting. Exactly. Well, that's, you know, I'll, I'll, I should talk about, uh, yeah, stat reporting costs uh, today are, can be fairly significant. Uh, you know, the larger carriers are paying, I would say, in the millions of dollars. Uh, but most companies are required to do staff reporting. And the, the amount they pay to us or to other uh, these staff reporting organizations, if you add it up, it, it is uh, quite significant. But probably still it, it kind of, uh, it pales, it, uh, it probably pales in comparison uh, to what they're uh, incurring internally. So to, 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 that's why we're working with the stakeholders to understand those, those processes that are outside of our uh, preview. But for AIS members, uh, we no longer charge for stat reporting. Uh, with your membership fee, um, with our new membership model and our membership fee, uh, you, you have the opportunity to, to uh, eliminate those stat reporting uh, fees you're paying uh, externally and, it, it, and probably more importantly gain uh, uh, internally uh, some efficiencies. Well, that is that is great to hear. Now we're running out of time, but let's, I don't want to move on without just bringing up the, uh, you know, the cannabis business is a big topic of discussion. It's a growing area of business in our industry. And you all have rolled out Cannabop, which is uh, a great name. But the Cannabop, first of a kind, business owner's insurance policy specifically designed for the cannabis industry. Can you tell us just a little bit about that in our remaining time, Ed? Yeah, well, we've, uh, you know, last six years, one of the major things were to upgrading existing programs, which we've done, but also, as you mentioned, we've, you know, established some new programs. Um, in addition to Cannabis, which I'll talk about, you know, we have a homeowner's bipedal uh, plan that we've built out, a new auto pro uh, program that our members have been asked for for a number of years. And uh, you'll see, uh, we had a press release yesterday about our new fire protection rating plan. So there's a number of uh, 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 new plans in, in addition to new tools that all responding uh, to members' uh, needs. Uh, the Cannabop uh, 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 program uh, we rolled out last year, uh, it, was, it, it, it was initiated, typically our members are driving these, uh, but actually the, uh, the, uh, the, the Department of Insurance in California requested they were in desperate need of a, of a, of a uh, admitted program, 
they asked us uh, to put together that program. Uh, we have heard from a number of specialty carriers uh, of our members that were interested in it. So we were able to launch that fairly quickly. Uh, the state was happy uh, to have now a regulatory, uh, a regulated uh, admitted program in the state. Um, and uh, many of our uh, members who are looking for Canopop, uh, either either to uh, start writing it or to exclude it, we're very happy to see. We were the first advisory organization to roll out uh, uh, cannabis uh, uh, policy form in, in terms of Cannabop. So uh, that's been very well received, and I think it's, uh, as you can imagine, it got, got us quite a bit of uh, publicity in the marketplace, which is always good. Uh, so we're very, we're very pleased with that. Well, Ed, thank you. You know, you all are doing so many uh, exciting things and uh, I think productive things for your membership, which includes so many of the companies in our membership. So for that and for um, the time last week where we received an update on uh, all the exciting things going on at AIS, uh, thank you. And I uh, appreciate the time today on the podcast. Thank you. On the next Unscripted, Chuck will talk about National Preparedness Month with Roy Wright, the president and CEO of the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety. The two will talk about the first Resilience Week taking place in September and the steps homeowners can take to mitigate before the next storm. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we hope you'll keep tuning in as we return with more insurance news and information on September 4th. If you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a wonderful day.